What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we got to break down Game 2 victory over the Colorado Rockies, preview Game 3 against Colorado, and then was the Dalton Varsho trade the best trade in Mike Hazen's history as the D-backs GM? Breaking it all down on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. But for today's podcast, I first want to start off today's show by talking about the D-backs game two victory over the Colorado Rockies because I was able to witness this game in person. The D-backs took down the Colorado Rockies 5-1. to one. The D-backs are now 32-23 and 23 on the season. They're still in second place in the NL West, a game and a half of the LA Dodgers because it feels like the D-backs win on the same days the Dodgers win and lose on the same days the Dodgers lose. And the D-backs have been neck and neck with the Dodgers all season, which you have to be proud of and you know, surprised by if you're a D-backs fan because I don't think on May 30th you would have expected the D-backs to be neck and neck with the Dodgers. And actually, after last night's game at the time of you guys recording this victory over the Colorado Rockies, the D-backs are actually tied with the Atlanta Braves for the second best record in the National League, if you could believe that. So the D-backs might be number two in their division and number two in their conference after um, maybe a couple more days because, I mean, if the D-backs win game three against the Rockies and the Atlanta Braves lose tomorrow or today at the time of you guys listening to this, the D-backs will move ahead of the Braves in the standings and have the second best record in the National League, if you can believe that. So what happened in game two against the Colorado Rockies that gave the D-backs their victory? Well, like I said, I was in person for game two and I got the full Corbin Barrels experience because Corbin Carroll was the star of this game and he's done something that not a lot of people have done where he had multiple stolen bases, a home run. Corbin Carroll just did a little bit of everything in this game. He had two stolen bases which came in the same sequence and he essentially scored a run by himself because <coughs> Excuse me. He got on first base and then he stole first and second with one out. And so it's like Corbin Carroll went from first to third or one out. That's an easy run scoring opportunity with Gabriel Moreno at the plate. Moreno, easy sack fly to score Corbin Barrels, who also had 
a big bomb in this game. Um, it went 407 feet. That gave the D-backs their fifth run of the ball game because the D-backs in this game offensively started really early. Ketel Marte got the game going with a pesky foul pull home run, only 358 feet, but Ketel Marte keeps his on-base streak alive. He's been playing really well this season. His slash line after the game is 281, 339, 482. Still not like Italy Ketel Marte like we've seen in 2021 and 2019, but way better than the Ketel Marte we saw last season. So, so far, so good for Ketel Marte, who's been really impressive this year. Like I said, Corbin Carroll was a star of the game with the plays he was making offensively on the bases. He showed his power at the plate. I love watching Corbin Carroll in person because if you sit along the first baseline you just get to watch Corbin Carroll shake his little tush at the plate let me tell you ladies it's a great sight so for the D-backs Corbin Carroll good job by them the D-backs only had three run scoring opportunities if you could believe all night but that's because they were hitting home runs like I said Martin the first inning also had an Evan Longoria two-run bomb that was 452 feet then Moreno in that fourth sacrifice fly then Corbin Carroll in the sixth with the home run that scored the D-backs five runs that's all they needed tonight they had six hits it wasn't the elite D-backs offense when it's like hit after hit run after run coming across the plate like they were meticulous night had their three home runs did it by the long ball which is not something that the D-backs always do because they're kind of like middle of the pack in the National League when it comes to home runs so whenever you see them win a game via the long ball, you always have to raise your eyebrow a little bit and be like, hmm, you know what? That was kind of impressive by the D-backs last night because sometimes you need to be a little, you don't want to be home run dependent or reliant, but you need to have that. It's like an ace up your sleeve. You need to have that in your back pocket. You need to have the ability to change the game with one swing. You don't want to have to be a team that relies on it. It's like a basketball team. You don't want to have to rely on the three-point shot to go down because it's a volatile set, right? It's high, it's high volatility. It's a high... Um, it, it changes from game to game. So you're not always going to have the home runs. You're not always going to hit three-point shots. But can you do other things? That's what the D-backs are really good at. Extra base hits, moving runners over, coming through a runner's scoring position. The D-backs don't need to hit home runs to win games. But in a game like tonight where the home run ball was their best friend, always impressive to watch it. Jake McCarthy, also impressive tonight. Two hits in the number nine hole. Also st stole two bases. So you like to see Jake the Rake get back on track. Overall, very impressive win by the D-backs. They have now won the first two games in a four-game set against the Colorado Rockies. And the D-backs have just kind of own the Colorado Rockies the whole season so far. It's been a really nice matchup for the D-backs this year. And the Colorado Rockies, I mean, they're going to probably be in the basement of the NOS. That wouldn't surprise anyone. And after tonight's game, the D-backs are now 4-1 and one against the Colorado Rockies on the season. You want them to get that game three victory and just at least secure that series win, I'll be okay if they roll over in game four. As long as you get that series win in game three, then that would actually be a four-game winning streak for the D-backs after winning the series finale against the Boston Red Sox. If you won the first three games of the series against the Colorado Rockies, that would be a nice bounce back after seeing the offense struggle just a little bit against the Boston Red Sox. Not your typical explosion that we see from this D-backs offense and then we didn't even mention him but Zach Gallon once again the milkman delivered because Zach Gallon was phenomenal in this game it was like a ho-hum Zach Gallon performance it wasn't like it wasn't the kind of game where I was like oh my god he is 
disgusting tonight. He is Cy Young, Zach Gallon, a legend, a god amongst boys. But even with that being said, even though I didn't feel like it was an overwhelmingly dominant performance by Zach Gallon, he still gave you six innings of no earned run ball, seven strikeouts, two walks. Like the box score will tell you it was an elite performance. But by the eye test, I think it was... A great performance. I think it was still an all-star worthy performance. I just don't think it was one of those Zach Allen performances where like, okay, is he going to get 12 strikeouts over seven innings here with no earned runs and just maybe give up two hits? No walks. Like, it wasn't one of those Zach Allen performances. But overall, he still dominated. He still looked nasty. Corbin Carroll was the MVP of the night for sure with Zach Allen a close second. And now, to win the series, we're going to need Tommy Henry to come through in Game 3. And we're going to preview Game 3 of the series right here on the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. But first, I want to talk to you guys about FanDuel. And unfortunately, I do not have my FanDuel overlay downloaded for my YouTube audience. Maybe I could download it real quickly. Hey, let's see. Oh, my God. I almost had it. Let's see. FanDuel Sportsbook. Here we go. Let's add the overlay for you guys because I am on a new StreamYard account, so I don't have all my overlays uploaded. But thankfully, I'm a quick cat and I already have it uploaded for my YouTube audience. So let me explain to you guys what FanDuel is because it's time to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500. $500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The reason why I love FanDuel is because they have these things called a same game parlay when the Lakers were in season before they got swept by my, not by my Denver Nuggets, the Lakers are my team, but before they got swept by the Denver Nuggets, my Los Angeles Lakers were my go-to team to do a same game parlay because I was like, Lakers win, LeBron 25, AD 25, D-Lo a couple threes, and that usually felt pretty good and sometimes got me a little more money in my pocket but now that the season's over i'm not really betting too much but that doesn't mean you shouldn't because of this great promotion because there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than america's number one sports book visit fanduel.com slash lockdown and get a no sweat first bet up to twenty five hundred dollars that's fanduel.com slash lockdown fanduel official sports band partner of the nba All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's preview game three against the Colorado Rockies because we got Tommy Henry on the mound going against Denelson Lamette. And this is a big game for Tommy Henry because for the youngsters in the rotation, it's time to see what you're worth. This is time if you want to be a big league pitcher, if you want to be a starting rotation member, you got to perform right now because the Tommy Henrys of the world, the Ryan Nelsons of the world, the Brendan Fots of the world, and the Dre Jamesons of the world are all fighting for those rotation spots because I do think Davies 
is kind of locked into a rotation spot. I can't really see the D-backs moving him out there. So that's three rotation spots for four youngsters. And Tommy Henry right now has a slight lead on a rotation spot because Brandon Fott is in the minor leagues after struggling on the major league level. And Dre Jameson has not yet looked good as a rotation starter on the big league level this year. And he's been such a weapon as a long reliever. So Tommy Henry does have a little bit of a lead on a lockdown rotation spot. And he's been better than Ryan Nelson this season as well. So Tommy Henry has a big game ahead of him against the Colorado Rockies. And another good start could mean another week of salvation for Tommy Henry in the rotation, who has been pitching pretty well recently. His most recent start, or his most recent outing, because he made a bullpen appearance against the Red Sox, which was kind of weird. I wouldn't expect him to do that. But 1.1 innings pitch, zero earned runs. And then three of the four previous start before that relief outing, he gave up two earned runs or less and pitched into at least the sixth inning in all of them. And no start this year has Tommy Henry given up more than four earned runs. So he's not someone that's going to have a big blow-up game. We've seen starts where you know Ryan Nelson gives up five earned runs or more. Even a guy like Zach Gallon has done that this season. But a guy like Tommy Henry, you know at least you're going to be in the ball game and potentially could be a quality start and so you'd like to see that like we always say with Tommy Henry he's not a high ceiling guy but he is a high floor guy which is basically the antithesis of what Madison Bumgarner was giving you in the rotation which was no floor no ceiling and just going out there and giving up a ton of runs every day you're like you were just like massive bum garner if you can at least eat five to six innings for us i don't care if you give up four earned runs but can you at least go five and a lot of times you couldn't do that tommy henry he might give up three to four earned runs but he could still at least go five or six when that's being done so i've been really impressed with tommy henry so far this season now he hasn't been great with runners scoring position he needs to be better in that area over a 300 average over 800 ops in that scenario but tommy henry is someone that's really good that first time through the rotation tommy henry is pretty solid in that area that's probably um those first three innings of ball game tommy henry is pretty solid it's that second turn through the rotation where tommy has where tommy henry has to tighten up a little bit because that first time through the rotation He's only given up a 208 average and a 734 OPS in his career. But the second time through the rotation, a 313 average and a 982 OPS. So if he can get through two turns of the rotation cleanly, look for the D-backs to really monitor his pitch count after that because then he could get pulled at any time, monitor whether he puts a guy on or gives up a base hit because after he gets through Two clean turns of the rotation. You feel like you have a huge win with Tommy Henry, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if the D-backs pull him after just two turns. And um, I believe, let me see. I want to confirm that those are his, uh, I, I believe those are his stats for this season, his turns through the rotation. Let me just double check for y'all as I'm up on my baseball reference. Um, yeah, so that was for this season, 2023. He's been really good through the first turn of a lineup, but that second time, but that second turn through a lineup, that's where Tommy Henry really struggled. And it's a big improvement because if you actually look at his career numbers, he was bad in the first turn through the rotation and the second time through the lineup. But so far this season, he's been able to settle down innings one through three. It's innings four through six is where he really struggles. So if you get two clean turns through the lineup for Tommy Henry, you feel like you probably get a victory. And Tommy Henry in his career against the Colorado Rockies isn't 
terrible. Now, he isn't great either. His career numbers against the Rockies, he's given up seven earned runs and 10.2 innings pitch. So you're not exactly impressed with that. That is a 5.91 ERA, but he's given up no home runs during that time. And he has six strikeouts. And so I feel like Tommy Henry against the Colorado Rockies team at Chase Field, I think Tommy Henry could have himself a decent day. He is typically better at home throughout his career. And the Colorado Rockies just have been so bad this year outside of Ryan McMahon because Tommy Henry is not very good against lefties. He's pretty good against righties so far this season. Only a 233 average and 752 OPS given up to righties, but against lefties, uh, over a 350 average and over a 1,000 OPS. And so when you look at that Colorado Rockies lineup, the only lefty that you really have to worry about is Ryan McMahon, who's also the best Colorado Rocky player going right now outside of Elias Diaz. And so if you can slow down a Ryan McMahon, you don't give him anything to pitch. There's really not too much you have to worry about from this Colorado Rockies offense. And then on the flip side, a guy like Denelson Lament just hasn't been good against the D-backs throughout his career. This has been really a pitcher that the D-backs have been able to take advantage of throughout Lamette's career because Lamette's career numbers against the D-backs, he's got a 6.94 ERA. He's given up 27 earned runs and 35 innings pitch, eight home runs. And so this should be a nice matchup for the D-backs who really attack Lamette and have another offensive explosion. And like I said, clinch the series. Don't leave it up to game four where you could potentially split the series against the Colorado Rockies. If you lose to the Boston Red Sox and then split the series against the Colorado Rockies, I think that's back-to-back bad series for a team that could potentially be second in the National League you know, in the next couple of days. And so if this D-backs team, like we always say, little test, little check markers, go after Lamette in today's game and really put some runs on the board because Lamette in his career hasn't been good against his D-backs team. And he hasn't really been that good this season. Lamette has a 12-6-6 ERA so far this season. And really since that, what was it, like 2020, where he looked really good for the San Diego Padres? Yeah, in 12 starts in 2020, that was the best Lamette we've seen. Outside of the 2020 shortened season, Lamette really hasn't been that guy. He's also dealt with injuries. But so far this year, he hasn't started a game. He's been mostly a reliever. And as a reliever, he's given up 15 earned runs and 10.2 innings pitch. So we'll see how this start goes for Lament. But I'm hoping his first start of the season, the D-backs just light him up and the Colorado Rockies decide never to put Lament in the rotation ever again, especially not against a team that has owned Lament throughout the entirety of his career. So hopefully the D-backs could put Lament into retirement after game three. Now let's talk about a little fun topic. I want to talk about this big trade that happened this past offseason because the D-backs traded away one of the pillars of their team, one of the young bright spots, someone that was a fan favorite, someone that you might have even said was arguably the biggest fan favorite. Maybe that's a stretch. Maybe it's not, but at least someone that had a soft spot in everyone's heart because of what we've seen him do in the minor leagues and then see him flash on the major league level. And that is Dalton Varsho because as a prospect coming up, we knew 
his profile, what kind of offensive player it could be. He's a guy that's behind the plate with 30-30 potential, someone that has explosive power from his bat, someone that has explosion with his legs, and we were able to see flashes of it last season, 27 home runs, 16 stolen bases, saw him turn into arguably the best defensive outfielder in all of baseball. It's like, what is the ceiling of a Dalton Varsho? Can he be just a dynamic offensive and defensive weapon? Is he a foundational piece of this D-backs team going forward? We know this D-backs team has a logjam in the outfield. These were the things we were saying to each other in the offseason. With the Dalton Varshows, the Corbin Carrolls, the Jake McCarthy's, the Alec Thomases, you're going to have to trade an outfielder, and who should it be? I was saying in the offseason, maybe trade an Alec Thomas for like a Jesus Lazardo. I thought McCarthy, Varsho, Corbin Carroll was the big three that I wanted to move forward with to have for the foreseeable future, and the D-backs decided to go in a different direction and trade away Dalton Varsho, who was, at the time of the trade, the best D-backs outfielder because Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas. Jake McCarthy's had a great offensive season last year, but even with that being said, Dalton Varsho is still better from that power standpoint from the fact that he still stole bases as well. Maybe Jake McCarthy was a better pure raker than Dalton Varsho last year, but Dalton Varsho is a complete package. What he could do with his legs and the power component was probably had a better offensive season than Jake McCarthy. Of course, had a better offensive season than Alec Thomas. And defensively, Dalton Varsho was graded as a better defensive player than Alec Thomas last season. And then Corbin Carroll, his sample size was just too small to say he was better than a Dalton Varsho. So among the four youngsters Last season in the outfield, Dalton Varsho was probably, at least at that moment, at the end of the season, the best one. And the D-backs decided to move on and trade him away in a surprise move and trade him to the Toronto Blue Jays. And typically, when you trade a guy like Dalton Varsho away, you're probably expected to get back maybe a one-for-one swap. Maybe get back a comparable starting pitcher like a Pablo Lopez or something like that, right? I always bring up those Miami Marlins pitchers, but I don't think you would have expected to get back one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball, one of the top prospects, period, in all of baseball, and Gabriel Moreno, and get back a serviceable, good outfielder in Lourdes Gurriel. But since the trade went down the offseason, it has graced and aged beautifully. And now I have the question of, is that the greatest trade in Mike Hazen's era as the D-backs GM because Dalton Varsho so far this season with the Toronto Blue Jays just hasn't been that guy and it's more first half struggles for Dalton Varsho because we've seen this throughout the entirety of his career right now with the Blue Jays he's batting around 200 with a below a 650 OPS he has near double digit home runs he has more than five stolen bases so he's having Really just not that great of a season. He's got the power. He's still got the speed, but he's just not hitting consistently for average, and he's not getting on base enough. And this is something that we've seen from Dalton Varsho throughout the entirety of his career because in his career so far in the first half of the season, he's like a 212 hitter with a 653 OPS. And then in the second half of his career, he's like a 260 hitter with like over 800 OPS. So this is someone that definitely heats up in the second half of the season. So you still expect this year that Dalton Varsho could get better. But what we've seen so far from all the pieces in the trade, the D-backs have clearly won this trade because of the Dalton Varsho struggles. And then the fact a guy like Lords Gurriel, who's still only 29 years old, is having himself a career season, more home runs than a Dalton Varsho, over a 300 average, over a 900 OPS. And then Gabriel Moreno, he hasn't had that power component, but he's around a 300 hitter, can flat out rake 
a, a contact machine, and he's won the. He leads the majors in caught runner stealing over, I think it was like, I saw the stat today at the D-back game. It was like 13 for 24. Moreno has thrown out runners attempting to steal against him this year. So when you take those two guys, I mean, straight up Gurriel has been better than Dalton Varsho this season, but Moreno and Gurriel together, two players back, not just better than Dalton Varsho, but like are playing at what their ceiling is for players, at least currently in their, in their career. Like, I think Gabriel Moreno definitely has more to unlock. But at this point of his career, you know, 70 games to his, you know, into his professional Major League career, if you tell me he's a 300 hitter and the best guy at throwing out runners in Major League Baseball, that's pretty close to what your ceiling can be in your first 70 games. Lourdes Goriel, this is like his seventh year in baseball. He's batting like 320 with a 900 OPS. You could definitely say he's playing at his ceiling or Dalton Varsho playing at his absolute worse or close to it the d-backs and mike hazen has have definitely fleeced the toronto blue jays so far and it makes me wonder is this the best trade in the mike hazen era i think it's probably too early to call i think right now it's on pace to be the best trade in the mike hazen era one because the d-backs are rocking and those two guys are critical pieces to what the d-backs are doing right now but also i think this it's it just too it's still too early the sample size is still too small and a trade like Zach Gallon for Jazz Chisholm could go down as a better trade. I think it's between those two trades as the best in the Mike Hazen era. Now, I do think Jazz Chisholm has been good for the Miami Marlins. He probably hasn't been Zach Gallon good, but he did look like an all-star in 2022. I think he's had major flashes on the major league level. I mean, in 2021, he had a near 2020 season as a full-year as a rookie, I mean, his biggest issue is he just doesn't play enough games. He's always hurt. He's hurt again right now. And so if he can get healthy, I think when he's on the field, he's very good. I don't think he's as good as Zach Gallen, but it's at least a, a pretty close one-to-one swap. But right now, when we look at this two-for-one swap where the D-backs got two players way better than Dalton Varsho, that's why I would have it probably number one considering how good the D-backs are this year, how much of an immediate impact they made. And just the contrast between those two players. But it's close with the Zach Gallon deal. And I want to see, you know, more long-term. Does the Lords Gurriel stay past this season? Is he a short-term piece that the D-backs hold on to? What kind of player does Gabriel Moreno develop into? Does Dalton Varsho turn it around and just turn into an all-star, consistent outfielder for the Toronto Blue Jays? These are real questions I have. You could also put the Eduardo Escobar trade, I guess, on this list. It wasn't... Terrible. It was a good trade in the Mike Hazen era, but I don't know if it should be on this tier of getting a Zach Gallon or getting a Moreno Lords Guriel. The only reason it feels like the Dalton Varsho trade was better, not the another reason why it feels like the Dalton Varsho trade was better, is because you did get two players in the deal. Like if I got Zach Gallon and I got like Andrew Chafin in the deal for Jazz Chisholm, then of course, then that deal is even better than what it currently is when comparing it to this Dalton Varsha trade. But considering I got two guys that look like potential all-stars this season for Dalton Varsha, who does not look like an all-star level player currently, you can arguably say it's the best Mike Hazen trade during his era. I think it's probably too early to say, but I think it's definitely tracking in that direction. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Lockdown MLB podcast with your boy Select Baseball. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Put hashtag everydayer on YouTube if you listen every day in the comments section. Don't forget you can catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast. We can download the SiriusXM app and search up Diamondbacks. 
And as always, come back tomorrow for more Dynamax News coverage insights. Should hopefully be talking to Paul Holden of Locked on Rockies. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.